for January 30th, 2023. It's the Overthinking It podcast, episode 761. Maybe it's only 500 people. I don't know. Hey, it's Overthinking It, where we subject the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it probably doesn't deserve. The overthinkers are your smart, funny friends from the internet, never happier than when we are hanging out, hanging out together, uh, talking to each other about about the things we love. I was thinking about this actually over the last uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, Pete, who hosted uh, capably and delightfully the uh, the last episode of the podcast, uh, thank you for that, Pete. By the way, um, I, I mentioned you mentioned that we just passed the fifteenth anniversary. Anniversary of the first, you know, set of articles. I think we published five on that first day, so that there would be like something uh, on the website, like uh, you know, the the beginning of overthinking it as a website, as a place, as a blog, as a place where we would we would publish articles. And I, I've been, I mean, I've been thinking a lot about it. I don't, I don't know. I don't write the like the annual things anymore. I don't think anyone listens to. I, I don't think anyone like really reads the articles. Uh, anymore and so i but i i was uh i was thinking about it a lot and i i was thinking that um you know really what we were trying to capture in overthinking it is the feeling that we had in our 20s when we would go to a movie together and then go out for like a late night diner or a couple uh, a couple beverages you know and just talk talk together um about what we had seen and we would you know there was a kind of fun like comedy riffy aspect to it there was kind of like a friendly one-upsmanship aspect to it and there was also like a sense of like friends appreciating and supporting each other and also you know a group of uh, just a group of people who happen to have similar interests in like a broadly humanistic way trying to make sense of the world arrive at something that's true you know like talk you know d- d- through talking um through talking come to some sort of some sort of understanding of uh, of what i don't know exactly the world our lives the meaning of it all the meaning of the the film uh, the meaning of the dark night uh the dark night rises i you know uh, i don't know and and as i um and as I, you know, as we've grown and hopefully like, uh, bettered ourselves a little bit over the last 15 years, uh, all that talking has given way to a lot of listening. And so, Pete, I was very delighted that you part, well, you practiced active listening <laughs> as the host of the, as the host of the podcast. And you brought a whole new twist to the classic, the classic from those early days of us talking about a film that, that none of us have seen. Had, not having seen the film, you taught us a moral lesson about, uh, what it is to be a, a, a better person and, a uh, a better friend. So thank you. This is Pete Fenzel on the podcast with me tonight. Hey, Pete. Hello. I'm trying to be a better friend for sure. Thanks, man. Every day, every day in yeah. every way you yeah. are, we are, we are all getting better. We're also joined by Mark Lee, who, who, uh, who understands the way of water and uh, yeah. And, and uh, schooled, schooled Pete in it. Thank you very much for, uh, for bringing the knowledge of the whales back to uh, uh, back to Pete. <laughs> that's the discourse now i'm just gonna just like speak the way i'll talk i'm just i i, I drink that kool-aid i drink all the water of the way of the water i am a hardcore uh pandora inhabitant fantasy no i haven't quite gotten all, all the all the way in there I, um but uh yeah it was, it was delightful to talk about avatar way of water and you guys you really should see it um that is kind of my unqualified reservation 
you should see it. Yeah, I have not been to a movie theater since my daughter was born, which is one of the reasons why I don't have a big stock up of movies to watch with you guys. And I don't know. I got to I got to get back at some point. We've bought our tickets to Ant-Man. So once we get to Ant-Man, that's going to be on school vacation. So we're going to get to go. That's when we're going to be back. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed like at Ant-Man would be your like big buy it in advance. Triumphant return uh, to the movie theater, like, you know, arrange for the sitter date night afternoon or what have you oh, um but sure yeah i mean they're, they're good movies yeah. don't get me wrong i've enjoyed all that all the ant-man ants man um but uh i'm surprised you're that excited for it yeah uh well you know I, we saw the first ant-man in a drive-thru and that was really cool nice. uh and the second ant-man uh, i don't remember where we saw it uh, but it was probably regular sized as opposed to the first one which was very big i guess this one will also be mm. very big so <laughs> at any rate sorry are sorry you, matt i, I are you, go- things are you going bit, to jordan's furniture we are going to go to jordan's furniture to see ant-man yes hooray Yay. Did not go to see any of the other movies there. Uh, just it's people have been sick. It's been it's been tough. But uh, but watching things on the small screen, man, watching things on the small screen. You know, I've been trying, uh, Pete, I've been trying very, uh, very diligently to understand the IMAX situation because Jordan's Jordan's furniture has an IMAX, right? Yeah. 4K laser IMAX. It's really much more like the kind of IMAX you would see at like a planetarium. Than what you would expect, what I expected as an IMAX at a movie theater. Right. Well, there was, um, I, I, it has changed a couple times, right? Like, so yeah. the, the, you know, the relevant sort of, um, difference, I think used to be film IMAX versus digital IMAX. And like a lot of mm-hmm. AMC was like co-branding with IMAX to make these digital IMAX screens, except they weren't the, the planetarium style or the natural history museum style. Uh, IMAX screens. Those were the film IMAX, which are shot on 70 millimeter film. So if you imagine like holding your, like almost three inches apart, hold your fingers almost three inches apart. Like that's the, the size of the film for IMAX. Um, double the, the, you know, what a, professional movie Hollywood movie was before, which was like a 30, 35 millimeter pre-digital uh, 70 millimeter, but then turned on its side. So the 70 millimeter part of the film was the vertical and the, the horizontal, the horizontal was, I think either like 11 or 15 sprocket holes. So there was like this, just this immense amount of visual information packed into the physical uh, medium of, of the film. And those were the good uh, IMAXs. Uh, those were the good eyes, Max. And now there's a whole like laser situation, but there are different lasers, Pete. There is the single laser uh, 4K situation, and then there is a multi-laser as well. And I am not, if anyone, I know, I actually know that in the, the audience of Overthinkers, there were uh, some projectionists um, or, you know, people familiar who had been in, in previous lives projectionists. And I, uh, I would love to know if anyone could tell me like what, what the hotness is now like among the laser eyes max where you know where do i actually maximize my eye um yeah and it's uh jordan's furniture is i think the only answer the only sensible answer that that anyone can give right well it's the only one where you can buy a couch right after I mean, why would you, why, I mean, that's, that seems to be the, the, the absolute opposite of what you would want to do. You would want to buy a couch so that you can stream entertainment in your home, right? Mm, you would, you would be yeah. like, burn my couch. And, and, <laughs> you know, I don't know why, why we're burning our couch, sell my couch maybe, or burn it to save money on my heating bill so that I can spend that extra, uh, extra scratch at Jordan's furniture going to the IMAX. 
right? Like just everything, you know, sell everything and go, uh, go to the IMAX. Like it's some sort of, um, that was in the Bible, I think, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like, Lord, how can I enter into heaven? Sell everything and go to the IMAX. Yeah. And then, and then uh, you'll remember the following verse is that the man walked away sad because he had many streaming services. Right. <laughs> <laughs> let's quick go i want it because you can't sell that which you do not own and when you oh. stream you don't own anything you just purchase a license to, to view i had i'm sorry i'm on fire i'm full of beans uh the uh i'm on fire tonight i was talking with with Belinky about um on on our slack about the libby app are you all familiar with the libby app uh oh del- yeah i love the libby yeah. app delivered yep. by overdrive now um, I, I also love the Livy app. I use it all the time. It's super convenient. Also, it's bad. And if you like it, you're bad. And if you use it, that's bad. Uh, because, be- <laughs> did, did you know? I was thinking about this the other day about owning, about owning, uh, 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 the, the media. And like the point of a library is not just that you can get a book temporarily. Right. The point of the library is that a municipality or that, a you know, that a government, that a, that an institution, has a collection of media that they own, uh, that, you know, is a public good. And what's happened with libraries with the extreme popularity of the Libby app is that these, these municipal institutions are funneling more and more of their budgets into this private company, which I, I think is called Overdrive, right? And at the end of it, if they were to turn it off, there would be no, no books and no public good anymore and this, mm. this is bad like this is not this is a kind of red a step backwards uh in terms of the you know the provision of public goods to the citizenry which is like one of the the and and the regulation of same which is you know one of the the functions of a of a government though though i do love i do love being able to download the mp3 audiobooks and i would never save them I let the app delete them off of my computer the second that my license to them expires. I would never do something, you know, some technically complicated things like copy the files into a different folder because that would be theft, gentlemen. <laughs> that would be that would be theft. Anyway, I'm sorry to 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 rain on your rain on your Libby parade. I love it too. I use it I use it all the time and it breaks my heart every time. You know, every time I realize that the the city of Los Angeles, uh, you know, I'm 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 diverting uh, diverting uh, resources away from something that could be could be you know put to to the greater good. That's interesting. I mean, there's a conversation to be had there about public execution of technology infrastructure, which is I think so extremely lacking that. I would say even would stand to represent a causal factor in the in the uh, in the interaction you just described, right? Mm. Above and beyond the you know profiteering of the private company. Um, that is like when you know when have you seen a government website that works easily and quickly and smoothly, and why not? And the why nots are like because it's very expensive <laughs> like, and uh, and they it's tax dollars. So they don't want to just take everyone's money and use it to build fancy websites. But um, and a bunch of other reasons as well. But anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I haven't used the Libby app recently, but I also, um, you know, I, I'm not I'm, I mean, I'm sorry that that is a sad thing. Also, I suppose. I'm also. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm not. Look, I'm not going to buy a Jack Reacher book. Come on. <laughs> I mean, if the Libby app on a net basis increases your engagement with the library above what it might be, let's not fall for a base rate fallacy and assume that, oh, if only this app weren't here, everything would be better. 
because we don't know what the user behavior would be like if the app weren't there. But, um, you know, that's probably what the Libby salespeople also say. (laughs) (laughs) For what it's worth, my local New York public library um, oddly prominently displays its uh, significant DVD collection um, up front. Uh, Does it say significant DVD collection on top? <laughs> it really should. Um, but just so <laughs> you know, the right? Criterion, collect, Criterion edition of Vertigo. And like, it's copy of if Scarface. If goes out of business yeah. and or if our civilization collapses, there will be yeah. a um, a pretty decent supply of Paw Patrol DVDs um, <laughs> in the New York City area that we can sift through the rubble um, of our civilization and still play. Assuming you, we can find a, a, a DVD player that works. You live near, Mark, the one of the greatest – I think it's a New York Public Library resource. I don't think it's a university archive, though. I think it's co-located with Juilliard. Um, the, the library's collection of archived live theater performances where they have – Oh, yeah, the New York Library for the Performing Arts. Oh, yeah. Is that it? They yeah, got that they got reams upon reams of sheet music as well too. It's great. It's, it's awesome. It's one. It's yeah, maybe like the greatest collection of of archives of live theater. You can't really have a good theater is ephemeral, but like it's probably the the greatest in the world, the largest in the world, yeah. or, or one of you know, if not the uh, man. That's you know, and you got to be like. You got to like, I think, like prove your bona fides in order to be able to get into it. I don't think anyone can just use it. I, I'm sure because like they don't want like people just watching, you know, Ethel Merman uh, doing, you know, doing live performances or something like that. Like you want to you want to force people to, to yes, buy the, real the, the hot the hot Ethel Merman bootleg uh, video market. Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I mean, I've been, gonna, trying, gonna, been trying to find those on my, on my phone and then upload them to TikTok. Oh, I've been trying to find those Ethel Merman torrents, yeah. man. Back when, back when bootlegs referred to legs showing over boots. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, do you see those bootlegs? Yeah. <laughs> How many? It's like five I, what, inches. Well, so, so like uh, the five. So, you know, you don't have to wear your boots if you're if you're watching all your media at home that you don't own, that you don't, uh, you know, you don't uh, you don't have any real title to and is going to disappear after, you know, after the the streaming service uh, streaming service goes out of goes out of business. You know, I say go to Jordan's Jordan's furniture. But if you don't like how many how how many I just, you know, ballpark streaming services uh do you own i don't know pete we we haven't done a real question of the week in a long time oh man you want to go first well if i had to guess without actually counting and i know i could have spent this time that you were vamping counting but i chose not to um i would say probably eight i probably have eight streaming services Mm. um it's you know i have what prime netflix uh well does spotify count is i guess a question to add to the mix does does music oh. streaming count as a streaming service I think we're talking I guess, about video streaming for this yeah, we're talking video streaming yeah. yes video so, streaming so, for entertainment yeah. i think also because like i have like some professional development ones right that that right. I, I would say don't don't count i i also subscribe to uh markley's worst streaming service uh ever <laughs> the the uh the peloton uh, application. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Uh, we do, we've talked about this in our streaming service one. Yeah, I think since then I've unsubscribed from the Motor Trend streaming service, uh, which is sort of like Motor Trend magazine. Um, and I how think, do you stay on top of Motor Trends, Pete? I'm not on top of Motor Trends. I have multiple friends who've asked me for advice on cars, and I realize I've fallen desperately out of step with Motor Trends, and I'm in quite a bit of, of trouble. I need to reestablish my bona fides to get back into the Motor Trend library. <laughs> uh, but uh, I do subscribe to Dropout. 
I don't know if anybody out there has ever heard of Dropout. No, what is it? It is the streaming service that emerged from the uh, loamy, decomposed remains of College Humor. Uh, It's basically, you know how College Humor was bought by a media company, right? Um, And then did not really succeed or thrive in the context of being part of that media company. And eventually it was going to get shut down uh, and the... And uh, it was bought out by one of its practitioner founders. Um, and, uh, and, and, and when they've done that, it has largely become a Dungeons and Dragons streaming business, basically. Okay. Like, like, a, like they, um, they have a variety of tabletop role-playing shows and also the game show um, Actually, which I have the home uh, board game version of after buying on Kickstarter. But it's basically like a bunch of, you know, old college humor people, improv people, Dungeons and Dragons people who have their own streaming service where you can watch, you know, improv derivative uh, Dungeons and Dragons style, you know, TTRPGs, uh, uh, playthroughs, uh, a game show called Game Changer that's really an improv game where every episode it's a different game show. They have a bunch of shows. Um, and, and, I, and I subscribe to them, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, initially because I wanted to watch the Dungeons and Dragons playthroughs. So that's probably the most niche one I subscribe to now. Um, I still subscribe to Hulu, which I subscribed because of Prey, and I thought I was going to unsubscribe, and I never did. And I don't watch anything other than Letterkenny on it anymore. Um, but yeah, I think it's probably near upwards of eight because I've got yeah, Netflix, uh, Amazon, Dropout, uh, Discovery Plus, HBO Max. Um, uh, I mean, oh, I'm just D gonna- Plus. Got to get those. Got to get those grocery games. That's the one we watch the most because uh, I just finished watching uh, Guy's Grocery Games. It was uh, it's it's you know it's the the games wait for no man. It is the best show on television of all time. <laughs> 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 but uh, but yeah, no, we watch a lot of Discovery Plus. That's probably our most watched streaming service. And probably, Pete, do you pay the the fifteen bucks or whatever it is in your uh, in your target demographic to um, to get YouTube without the ads? Oh yeah, I bought YouTube Premium to get Cobra Kai. Right. Back before it was on Netflix. And so, yes, I definitely I, – I can't imagine watching YouTube with ads. I watch YouTube all the time, and going without ads on it was a huge improvement in my quality of life. Now, granted, it costs a bunch of extra money, but um, you know, I, you know, it's still – like the difference in the value of the product is kind of insane. Like the value prop of watching YouTube with all the advertisements it just is not that good. Um, Anyway, yeah. that that's what I'm at. I mean, you want to move on to Mark and the question of the week? I, let's do it. Mark, Mark, Mark Lee, second in the alphabet, uh, but uh, not not second in our hearts. It's Mark Lee. I'm pretty sure we only have five, but we only pay cash money for two of them. And I'll explain why. It's actually relevant. Um, we pay cash for Netflix and we pay cash for Amazon Prime. Which like Prime is like this weird thing, right? Because you're primarily there, you know, for the um, I see what I did. They're primarily there uh, ah. for the fast shipping of toilet paper. Um, and then you also happen to get some originals and some catalog stuff on the side. Weird, I know. Okay, HBO Max. We get that as part of our cable TV subscription, which we don't pay for directly, which our condo association pays for. Wow. There has got to be a catch there. It's like, why is it that the building um, agree, and or why are we getting this um, reduced rate, or the why is the building paying for it? And I guess it's being you know, tacked onto our karma charges or whatever. It doesn't feel right. It doesn't make sense. Um, I'm waiting for some other shooter drop, but until then, also until David Zaslav, um, you know, gets his gruggy hands completely up on HBO Max and turns it into uh, Max, Disco Max, um, some consolidated HBO and Discovery, um, large mutant uh, monster like you know what Godzilla with uh, Guy Fieri's head on it. Until then, I've got HBO Max. 
Um, we have Disney Plus and Am- Apple TV Plus on free trials, which I'm pretty sure will convert. Disney Plus will definitely be a convert to a, a pay a cash thing because, I mean, where else are we going to watch Bluey? Um, and where else will we, um, you know, ha- have the sweet solve of a few moments of, of calm uh, with our children, uh, you know, watching a show that isn't terrible. Um, and then Apple TV Plus is kind of on the bubble. We, um, we, we, we got the trial specifically for Pachinko. Which maybe we have time later. We might we might talk a little bit more about about this, right? This is the historical epic based on um, the Min Jin Lee novel with uh, you know this Korean family uh, in 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 uh, living overseas in, in Japan and all this other good stuff. Um, but more recently, um, well, we were kind of getting around to Ted Lasso season two, uh, but not a whole lot else going on on Apple TV Plus. Um, so that's uh, it. You could watch the Foundation five. show. You could watch C with Jason Momoa, which I've watched like two seasons of. <laughs> you watched which that? is amazing. Oh, yeah, goodness. I could talk about C. Have oh, we talked about man. C on the podcast, man? That was something. That I was know, my dishwashing show. I know, show the, for a I know long the premise. Time. They have yeah. set, they have don't they also have Wheel of Time on Apple oh, yeah. TV Plus? So that's on Amazon. That's on Amazon. Oh, that's on Amazon. Okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. And uh uh Severance people were going on about. Seems, you know, seems interesting. Uh, um Apple TV Plus has the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Right. But that's that's the big thing you want Apple TV Plus for these days. If I mean not now, but like a month ago. <laughs> now now you're <laughs> SOL. <laughs> like now who cares? <laughs> sure. But yeah. It has it has the Charlie Brown stuff. All the old Charlie Brown specials. Which are mankind kind as well, which like you would like if uh you know, in your uh abstract idealized version of Mark Lee and the life that he lives, he would have watched all of For All Mankind, right? Alternate mm. history, space race. I mean, how is Mark Lee not watching this? Mm. I mean, I, the answer I is because know. my attention span has been burnt to smithereens um, <laughs> by <laughs> by parenthood. That's why. Yeah. Is it a slow show? Uh, no, it's not. I actually watched the pilot of that. It's re- it's really that. Um, it's like it's, it's also commitment phobia. Which, that that's like a whole thing there, right? Like, you know, am I really going to uh, embark upon this journey um, to you know watch uh, what? <laughs> not to go to the moon yeah go there not because it is easy but because it is hot yeah. <laughs> we we choose to watch three seasons of uh for all mankind not because it is gratifying but because it is long yeah. <laughs> that's i mean that's funny do either of you do anything for linear tv What's um, linear TV? Like channels, like TV channels, so like, you know. The, the aforementioned uh, condo association, because they're paying for, you know, this whatever ridiculous cable package that we have, it does come with linear TV. Um, but the cable box is so bad. That, um, and the um, uh, and the Apple TV <laughs> Spectrum app is good enough. Um, every once in a while, we will just, um, well, we'll watch Paw Patrol Live is what we'll do. Huh. Uh, and then you have the odd sporting event. We actually have uh, rabbit ears. Well, we have a digital TV antenna pad. And we watch a fair amount of local television. Like I watched the uh, the Giants get absolutely just plastered by the uh, Philadelphia Eagles last weekend, which is the only football game I watched all season because I was a Giants fan and I like to watch football and not the Giants. You know, I want it's like I only watch football when the Giants are playing football, which they haven't been doing for a lot of the recent years, um, <laughs> <laughs> which is my excuse. Uh, but yeah, the. Um, <laughs> but yes, and we watch the local news and the local weather and stuff um, uh, using using a digital using a digital uh, uh, broadcast pad. Um, but I don't have any. Is linear TV what they're calling cable channels now? Well, yeah, I mean or that's anything what it, that has yeah channel that has a program of uh, that's at a time and you can only watch it at the at a time. Oh yeah, I mean I, we have stuff like Azteca 
and the laugh channel on, on uh, like you could turn that on. I, I know there was a new night court show, but if you have a, a rabbit ears and you can watch the laugh channel, you can watch night court whenever you want. It's just always on. It's just, it, there's night court reverberating through your fillings in your teeth right now, because somewhere <laughs> there's a digital broadcast television station that is beaming night court around. Uh, so you can all watch it. But, I made um, a I made a joke about the the reboot of Night Court, and I, I don't think we've released the first batch of Eurovision videos yet. But there's a joke about Night Court in in them that I that I wrote. I very rarely re- rewrite Belinky because I, I often can't improve upon it. I, I never can improve upon it. But I, I I didn't improve upon it. I just wanted to talk about Night Court a little bit. And so I, can, can I go watch the reboot of Night Court? <laughs> What's that? Can we go? Uh, I want to go on a brief Eurovision Nightcore tangent here. Is this uh, is this joke assume that the great people of Europe that, that are presumably comprise a lot of our YouTube audience that they are familiar with the great show of Nightcore? No, I tried to I tried to explain. I had to I had to explain oh, okay. it. You had no, to explain it's, it in very slowly in clear enunciated English. The really well, yeah, exactly. When when Europeans can't can't understand you, if you talk louder, that's really the key to to making. I it am work. an American. No gas. Water, no gas. No, it's, um, it's because, uh, last year, uh, uh, not the winner, but a song that became remarkably popular on, on, t- I'm actually giving away one of our videos, which is not, um, probably something that I shouldn't do. Uh, not, um, uh, that didn't win, but, uh, blew up on TikTok is called Snap. Uh, and it's the, the, if you watch any TikTok, the, it's the one that goes Snap in one, two, where are you? And, uh, it, it was recorded. It was remixed. If you can call it a remix to just speed up and, and make it higher. Um, in, uh, in this kind of Alvin and the chipmunks kind of thing. And this genre of music where you take music uh, and speed it up and make it higher is called nightcore. Oh, nightcore. (laughs) And so I knew that was a thing. I didn't know it was called nightcore. Oh dear. What it's called. I think it's called nightcore. And so I, you know, I made a, I made a joke about nightcore. Um, you know, and I, I've seen, I've seen the reboot. I, I'm, I'm going to reserve judgment is what I'm going to do. Uh, <laughs> see what you did there. See what you did there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I think that like a workplace comedy like needs some time to gel. Right. And it's not, um, like you know, workplace. yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, look, there are stages of team formation, right? Like when, when Melissa Rausch comes on and tries to recruit John Laroquette for, you know, to come back to the court, that's, uh, that's the storming stage or the forming <laughs> stage, you know? And then when they come and they, they make a bunch of bad jokes, uh, that just kind of don't land and it's like not sure what the voice of the show is and like everybody's kind of schematic. The characters aren't really full. That's the, 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 the storming stage right and then everyone kind of settles into a groove that's the norming stage then you win a lot of emmys and that's the performing stage and those are the four stages of uh tv show of workplace comedy creation um i do all of those i do all of those we we have a an embarrassing number of uh of streaming services like and I, I use youtube tv for the for the like the regular channels the local channels sporting events 
uh, sporting events, things like that. Um, I married a Broncos fan, so I'm, I'm, I guess like a, a Broncos fan in law. And that's, uh, you know, been, been sort of heartbreaking, uh, this year. I've, I have a good friend, uh, in LA who's also a, a Broncos fan and was, was going on and on, you know, last year, maybe actually last year about this time about, uh, what a good get Russell Wilson was for the, for the Broncos. <laughs> And uh, like how this is going to be is a franchise quarterback, Matt. He's a franchise quarterback. And that's uh, going to be, you know, and so I, I did get a lot of uh, I, d- I did get a lot of joy out of like when he threw his fifth interception of a, of a, a you know, of a particular game, uh, texting my friend and saying, we got him right where, where we want him. He said, <laughs> right where we want him. It's a franchise quarterback. But no, it's a. Uh, um, I would like to see my wife's team uh, winning all the things, and that's that's been sad. But we got you know, YouTube TV is nice. You can you can like just do a a sports team and like whatever you can subscribe essentially to a sports team and whatever channel you know, uh, one of the big three or big four or ESPN or whatever it happens to air on, you'll get you know it'll it'll record it and it'll record back episodes of you know I put like Law and Order in there and it it just pulls from. Uh, you know, thirty different channels because, as we know, about ninety percent of TV at this point is is Law and Order. Um, that's nice, but also, <laughs> so, you know, the 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 Netflixes, the Hulu's, and I spring for the no commercials because I don't like to watch commercials, and the the uh, the the Apple's TV Plus and the the Disney's Plus and the HBO Max and all that, you know, all that stuff. There's so many of them, um, and someone should like combine them into some sort of <laughs> you know, and deliver them to your, to, to your house into one subscription, you know, over some sort of wire, you know, you could call that the wire company or the, the, <laughs> I don't know the, uh, yeah, but we're gonna have to work on the naming here or something like that. So, but, yeah. so Matt, it's pretty clear at this point that this is like a sort of potpourri episode where on this podcast, we're going to talk about a bunch of the things that we've been watching recently and just kind of catch up in general in a way that we haven't in a little while. Might you describe it as uh Overthinking it, country. Let's ride. <laughs> Has anyone watched Yellowstone? <laughs> no, I, I watched a clip on, of it on YouTube where uh, where Kevin Costner is trying to stop the game master from the Hunger Games for putting a shotgun in his mouth. And it's uh, it's just this like two minute video <laughs> of that that showed up in my recommended. Um, and it's like okay, <laughs> wow. It's, uh, I mean, yeah, I think strong. it's because I've been watching a bunch of clips from Interstellar that also have that actor in it. Because uh, I've been watching some of like the black hole special cl- effects clips from Interstellar, and so they're like, "Yeah, well, if people watch that, also watch this clip." So I know that Yellowstone. I know the tone of Yellowstone based on like one two minute clip that I watched. But have you been watching it? No, I haven't. I mean, I I guess I I guess I can get it on the YouTube TV Paramount channel with commercials or something. But I you know mm. uh, I haven't. Uh, oh, you got to have Paramount Plus, like I do, man. So you can watch Blaze and the Monster Machines over and over and over again. Par- it's got Paw Patrol. It's got it's got all sorts of stuff, man. Mostly it's got the, Blaze. And the the, the resurrected corpse of Star Trek: The Next Generation as well. So I'm told. Oh yeah, that's right. I've watched. I watched. That's why I originally got it. I watched. Half of Picard season two and couldn't watch any more of it. Hopefully season three will, uh, I don't know. I will never see it. I, it was I truly, it was truly incoherent. <laughs> yeah. Really- but anyway, sorry. So, so, uh, so yeah. So, um, uh, that was of course, sorry, a Russell, well, overthinking Russell country. Reference. Let's yeah, ride overthinking country. Let's ride. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, wait. So well, Yellowstone. Wait, wait. What? 
Oh, uh, I, I was going to say, like, this might be a good time also to just uh, just very briefly give, like, the broader economic context of the streaming market. Do it. Do, uh, okay. As, as we're talking have about you, these shows. Have you brought a PowerPoint, Mark? <laughs> I've got my slides, oh, which I'll, you all can see because this is a podcast. Right. I, I'm just um, going to talk to the slides, if that's okay. Talk to the slides, yeah. Hello, no, slides. It, how are you? You're very pretty. Are you? Who's a good slide? Yeah. Does your chart go up and to the right? I've I've just always found talk to the slides to be in in you know a an era of professional jargon that is you know just infuriatingly stupid all the time. I've always found talk to the slides to be among the uh, uh, among the stupid. Or I'm sorry, Mark. I I I railroaded your your bit there. Please talk to the slides. To quote uh, the Terminator from Terminator Three, Matt, talk to the hand. Um, kind of the opportunity to go. Okay, so um, this era of the last um, I can't quite put a number on it, but it feels like a long time of every media company shoveling unlimited amounts of money into shows for streaming uh, in a uh, play to gain and maintain subscribers. Everybody realized that that is no longer sustainable, and because it loses money, and people are tired of losing money, and so. Um, the gravy train has stopped. Um, so most notably in the aforementioned uh, HBO Discovery uh, new corporate behemoth, um, um, David Zaslov, the new uh, uh, corporate overlord overseeing all of that, is canceling shows left and right. I'm pulling catalog shows uh, from the service entirely, most notably Westworld, right? And that's on the HBO Max Discovery side of things. Um Notably on Netflix as well, um, you know, there are just seemingly uh, inevitable subscriber growth um, has finally come to an end. They seemingly tapped out. Um, likewise, shows over there um, seemingly uh, also shows that seemingly carry large audiences are, are getting canceled um, uh, with, with 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 little fanfare or, or, or um, you know, concern for alienating audiences and things like that. And so it's left kind of people like, uh, disoriented. Um, kind of uh, reeling even, uh, especially particularly for fans uh, of shows that that have gotten the axe. Um, so it's like an interesting time to sit back and like survey the media landscape and uh, take stock of what it is that we're watching and how that does and doesn't reflect the broader trends. Like, you know, we talk a lot about like, you know, all these assumptions that we had and from the linear era of TV about in terms of, you know, length of seasons, length of episodes, the types of shows that land on networks and cable a lot of those assumptions just kind of got blown to some of the reins. And so we've seen a lot of experimentation. Um, I'm great, very grateful for all that experimentation. We've got a lot of crazy, weird shows and good stuff. Like, you guys remember HBO Watchmen from 2019? Oh, man, that show was great. That was fantastic, right? Just yeah. ridiculous, right? I mean, and strictly speaking, not like a product of streaming per se, because that was, you know, a, an OG HBO production. But like, you know, I, I, I think it's still safe to bucket it in that particular era. Of television and its largesse um, and its uh, um, willingness to kind of experiment, um, but all, all that feels like it's changed. Um, so that is sort of what we're here to talk about. At least, it's like that's what we talk about when we talk about, um, oh, I don't know, like Miss Marvel on Disney Plus or any of the number kind of like you know more niche shows um, that have been uh, filling our time. So like that's yeah, that's that that's where we are now. Like who wants to pick their show? Um, I come and, to I come to Barry Television, pieces. not to praise it. Oh, good. That's uh, you, well, you you mentioned you mentioned Ms. Marvel. Is that uh, have you have you watched it? I mean, did you enjoy it? Was it? It's a it's a it's a Marvel a Marvel show. Yeah, and like, there's this whole separate conversation about like you know, if we're burnt out over superheroes in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and is it um, running out of steam? You know, after uh, Avengers 
uh, Endgame and, and and so forth. Um, uh, I guess you could listen to the the the, the two hour forecast um, that we have in the members only section if you really want to get our. I think that's probably our latest and greatest uh, hot takes on, on Marvel. Um, but uh, Miss Marvel um, is merely six episodes long. Um, so again, like experimentation with the formula. Um, uh, feels experimental in certain regards in terms of its artistic uh, 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 presentation and kind of use of graphics and, you know, um, uh, breaking the breaking the fourth wall. And that's not quite right for it. But anyway, it's just like, you know, different the kind of visual techniques that it uses that um, you don't see in other Marvel movies. Um, and of course, you know, very prominently, you know, at the, the, the Pakistani-American teen girl protagonist who, uh, um, you know, who is the, the titular superhero, uh, Miss Marvel, and to cap it all off, like spent a lot of time talking about the history of the India-Pakistan partition, which uh, uh, me as someone who, who, who thinks they know a lot about world history had very very little knowledge of, um, and really enjoyed that uh, you know a a major superhero TV show like was spending a lot of time on this um, on this particular topic, and then other other kind of you know niche area that that it veered off into as well was like very squarely. Um, uh, riffing on the NYPD surveillance of Muslim American communities in not just New York City, but in the kind of the greater New York area as well, too. Um, kind of like, you know, very direct social critique against that practice, um, which is like a, a lot of everything that I just kind of reeled off there, like at least to me, like fits in this narrative of like, hey, it's streaming. We've got a lot of money. We have the ability to experiment and tell different kind of stories here. Let's do this. And it was great. It was it was. I would say great. It's probably too, much, too too strong of a word. Like there was a portal. The stakes were, you know, didn't feel like they quite matched um, the the broader presentation in terms of, you know, um, the things get through the portal. They end all life as we know it, so on and so forth. Which I wasn't that into, but um, the rest of it was was very enjoyable. And again, hey, India Pakistan partition. It was a thing. It was a wild thing. Go look it up. I'm I'm really interested in that aspect of it, Mark, because it seems you know it seems like this summer, in a stunning co-production between Disney's Marvel and The Great Courses, comes you know a lecture on the history of I mean what how how dramatically what uh, not how dramatically but how was it integrated into the dramatic storytelling? Not like on a scale of one to super dramatic, how dramatic was. <laughs> <laughs> dramatic i mean there's uh you know the the family have their they've traced their backstory back to the partition um there are multiple flashback sequences including one where um kamala khan um miss marvel herself um gets sent back in time and is like uh on a very chaotic train platform in 1940 you know whenever a partition happens let's see i'm, I'm yeah. butchering the history here i'm not doing justice anyway in the 40s when partition is happening and like this desperate sea of humanity is trying to get you know, from one side of the border. Yeah, because you had to move, right? Like the whole freaking continent had to move to get it into the right side of the border, right? It was yeah. nuts. Yeah. It was absolutely nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. I just, that, 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 that singular fact about the partition is, I was wondering if that was the one that they built around, because that's the craziest, that just seems like the craziest thing, right? Like, and yeah. a similar stuff happened after World War One in the Balkans, where just like all of the Muslims just had to leave. And pick up and walk, you know, like uh, to areas where they were being allowed by uh, it's insane. Anyway, sorry. Continue. Yeah. Continue. Yeah. The show is, is very much preoccupied. Like, where are you yeah. allowed? Where are you yeah. allowed to be? Um, you know, as a as a Muslim in the the in the subcontinent, 
as a Muslim in America, as a teen girl in America, and as a teen girl in in a in an immigrant household as well. So um, it definitely like you know adds up more to, than some of his parts. Um, so I would certainly recommend it, even like kind of for 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 a casual Marvel fan who isn't like you know in, invested in crossing off every T and dotting every I. Um, of the, of the how much of a it. teen kid show is it? Like a like a teen drama, like kids doing kid stuff thing. Yeah, yeah, it, it is That's all okay. That. Yeah, okay, they're, okay. they're in high school. There's crushes. There's insecurity. There's you know sneaking out at night to do things your parents don't want you to do. All that good stuff. Okay, cool. I mean, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I followed behind on a couple. I didn't watch Moon Knight. I didn't watch that one. I did watch She-Hulk after Baliki's recommendation. But, um, uh, yeah, there's only yeah, – I also have – I haven't even caught up on Cobra Kai these days. Okay, cool. That's good to know about it. I know there was a lot of controversy about it, but I tend to tune the controversy out because I tends to not be particularly Wait, credible what, people was there a lot of, about it. Was there a lot of controversy about it or are we, uh, would, would one simply assume that there was a lot of controversy about it because, uh, because there's always – there would be, right? Like it's – you know. I mean, that's fair. I, a lot of controversy is probably the wrong word because you should compare it not to like no controversy, but to like the baseline expected controversy for any given thing that happens at any given time. <laughs> it's so, uh, so yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't, I guess they're probably, I think it just got swept in the culture war stuff, right? It's like, God forbid they make a show about a, about a Muslim teenage girl. Well, what I heard was people angry that it wasn't getting the ratings or supposedly the viewership that the other shows were getting, but there wasn't any publicly available data for how much people were watching the shows. So it was sort of like, it was basically, there was a narrative that there were white people watching Loki who wouldn't watch Miss Marvel. And there were numbers, I think, that somewhat backed that up. But I was never really, I looking at them, I was like, I don't know whether these are credible or not. Um, and I also don't know, like, what, you know, um, like what to do. Like, like it was a weird, I mean, it's the kind of thing where you have to be very invested into the industry, I suppose, to really um, get particularly upset about it. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't going to necessarily, I, I didn't have the kind of time to be like, oh man, yeah, I guess it was morally wrong of me to not watch this other television show. Um, but it was interesting because they made the same argument. I saw the same argument when the Andor came out, but then like by two weeks went by and that argument was gone and, and Disney plus was bragging about how popular Andor was. So it's like, it's hard to say. I think the show was not incredibly popular. And I think that there probably were people mad about um, it being about people that they don't like for indefensible reasons. And then there were probably also people who wished it was more popular, which seemed to have been a common refrain in the, in the streaming crisis now, crisis as in like roads are crossing, right, where shows and stuff are being discontinued and everybody is speculating as to like why it's happening to these people and right. those people. Right. And, and of it's course – The black box, this lack of transparency is, is um, definitely part of the conversation. Exactly. And so that isn't – it is, you know, by definition not a complete explanation for what's happening, yeah. right? And so like you can either be like – well, then I want to I will I will suppose what I think the actual explanation is. Right. Or you can not say anything at all, neither of which seems entirely adequate to the circumstance. Mm. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, also that whole conversation is not the kind of thing that makes me very enthusiastic about, like, watching a TV show. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> oh, man, I get to admire myself in this discourse if I watch this teen drama. But if I go watch Big Shot on Disney Plus, which I realize I also have. They don't have any of that. <laughs> Nobody yeah, cares I mean, like, about that show. <laughs> to be, like, you know, there's like that particular, you know, discourse that is not fun to get mired in. But what's just kind of interesting to um, to at least tap into some of the discourse is the, the corporate drama with Disney. Right. You know, Bob Iger, you know, Tanzer Reigns, the Bob Chapek, 
Bob Chaka loses a lot of money for Disney, who you think is just like, hey, they got all the stuff. They just can print money and make, hand over, make money hand over fist, including this new Disney Plus thing, which seemingly everybody has and seemingly, quote unquote, everybody, you know, heavy square quotes on everybody um, is watching and they're watching everything on all the shows. It's like, no, 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 no that's not the case. Um, not enough people are watching not enough of the shows. And now Bob Iger is back in charge. And. Who knows what's going to happen to all of this yeah. you know, streaming stuff and this experimentation and, you know, the stuff like Miss Marvel and Andor that, you know, maybe didn't get as many eyeballs as other things. Um, that's uh, it's the uncertainty is is really interesting. Um, and uh, I'm very curious to see where it's going to go. They're almost they're they're one of the few. Well, actually, uh, HBO Max is another one. They're like one of the few that's a pure play entertainment company. Right. Like Amazon is there. You know, there's like Amazon's. Prime video is there for NPS arbitrage. You know, like the, <laughs> the idea is that like they want you to feel like a couple of percentage points on average better about buying your toilet paper from Amazon than buying your toilet paper from, from Walmart. So please enjoy Bosch. You know, <laughs> that's that's the whole point. So, like, hey, you know what? We're gonna make a Liam Neeson movie, action movie, every year forever. You know, the man's in his seventies. You should be in. He should be enjoying a well earned retirement. But no, we're gonna like uh, Liam Neeson is a is a badass action, reluctant action guy on a train. Like Liam Neeson is a badass, reluctant action guy, and he. He has amnesia. Liam Neeson <laughs> is a reluctant badass action guy, and he's, you know, I don't know. On the It's a Small World ride at Disneyland. It's a co-production with Disney Plus and the Great Courses because it it con- it it contains the complete history of this small world, which is a small world after all. Yeah, and I also will say I, I am very out of touch <laughs> with what people are actually talking about. It's funny to hear myself talk about these things and realize that, like, part of the combination of both having and watching things like Disney Plus and also, like, uh, you know, the uh, not all the shows is something everybody can watch is like I, I am I am I am falling behind, you know, I, I and I, I don't know if you do you feel like that, too. I mean, I don't know whether it's just the aging thing or just the parenthood thing. But the idea that there was something out there to keep up with that you're now like falling behind on. Um, I always want to give good podcasting uh, content, but it's like, yeah, I guess I didn't watch that show because I was too tired. It's like <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. Right. I should have gotten around to it by now. I mean, um, we're, we're all Abe Simpson. We yeah. <laughs> with it. That's just our oh, lives. Now. Man. So, okay. sh- all right. Should I talk about a show I did watch? Yeah. What, sure. what show okay. did you watch? So I watched Willow. I watched the, sh- the Willow show. Yay! <laughs> also a Disney Plus joint. Yes, a Disney Plus joint, for sure. And if there is anybody that was going to watch the Willow show, it was going to be me, as Justin Timberlake said when someone asked him if he was going to watch the Willow show. Uh, yes, <laughs> the, uh, I love Willow. In fact, uh, Willow seemed for some years, and I don't have authoritative information on this other than my own anecdotal evidence, but it seemed for some years that Willow was caught up in some sort of rights problem because it was really hard to get uh, a DVD or Blu-ray to watch Willow. Like they were like 50 or $60 online. They were rare. Uh, and, and I don't know why. It might have something to do with Disney purchasing Lucasfilm and Lucasfilm owning the rights to Willow because it made Willow. But Disney not wanting to put out Willow because it's like an 80s fantasy movie about little people <laughs> or something like that. I don't know. They didn't care. They didn't know what they wanted to do with it. Something. Um, 
but yeah, but I I love Willow. I love the original movie. I love the music. I listen to it all the time. Uh, and I was I was super excited when uh, when when I found out that Willow was going to have a TV show. And the Willow TV show I think is very endemic. Endemic is is a telling word. Uh, it's it's not an illness. I like the Willow TV show a lot. But the Willow TV show is like right up there with Ghost Rider in terms of like if I want to give you an example of something that I like. Uh-huh. That I know most people are going to think is bad, right? Like the Willow TV show is like way up there, right? Um, so I like the Willow TV show. I'm going to speak somewhat passionately about what I love about the Willow TV show. But there are other people out there who will tell you that the Willow TV show is pretty bad. And I'm not saying they're wrong. <laughs> Their experience is valid, right? Um, but but I, but I want to put that kind of spin on it. And this is also one of the reasons why I think us watching Willow kind of caught on. It didn't add a lot of additional pressure to our lives to watch the Willow TV show. Um, okay, so for those unfamiliar, right, Willow is a fantasy movie from 1988 uh, with uh, Warwick Davis, who played Wicket the Ewok in Star Wars as an unlikely hobbity hero who goes on a quest with Val Kilmer, who plays a rakish and undisciplined sorcerer uh, swordsman, to defeat the evil queen and save a little orphan baby they found in the bulrushes, who is prophesied to become the Empress of Tomorrow. It can be best described as Ron Howard's directorial graduate project, <laughs> because like Ron Howard was like hanging out with with George Lucas and uh, uh, and. Uh, and George Lucas was like, hey, uh, you want to direct this movie that I came up with in 1972 that I never wrote? <laughs> it's like, yeah, sure. Uh, and so he sort of apprenticed under George Lucas to make this movie, which is charming and has a James Horner score. And the special effects are like of the era, but not bad. Right. And uh, and I really like it. I could do a whole thing about the Willow movie and why I like it so much. Um, one of the really characteristic things about the Willow movie is that it is unlike any Lord of the Rings movie I've ever seen, a Hobbit story told from the perspective of the Hobbit, in that you do not know any of the political reality of any of the world, right? Like, like you follow this little guy from his village where, like, his daughter finds this baby in the river and, like, brings the baby over, and it's like, oh, there's a baby. We got to bring it back to its village, uh, bring her back to her village, and then everything sort of spirals from there, like you go through these like blasted landscapes of like horrible slaughter uh, and there's no explanation for like what happened. Like like I think there's a throwaway line here or there. You go to these whole cities that have like names that seem out of Tolkien, but you've never heard of them before. Willow has no particular association with any of them, doesn't know any of them are. And this just succession of increasingly dire and terrible and bizarre, strange things happen to this little guy. And he sort of has to hold on to himself and also kind of muddle through all of these various crises until coming to a sort of big confrontation with the evil queen and, uh, and heading back to home. Um, and, uh, and at home when he sees his good buddy, Migosh, and he, and he says, Migosh, Migosh. And then he says hi to Migosh. He gives his wife a big kiss. That always makes me cry when Willow goes home to the village of the Nelwyn. Um, but anyway, they made a TV show and the TV show is really weird. Uh, it is, it is sort of like, it's got a little bit of Westworld and a little bit of the Princess Bride and like a little bit of the magicians. And it really feels like like a like a generic Dungeons and Dragons show that has the Willow branding on top of it as well. Um, and it's got, uh, got it. okay, so like, I'm, tr- I'm just trying to imagine what you're describing. Pete. Yeah. So, OK, so there are there are sex robots. 
There in, are not sex robots. In, in graduate school. <laughs> they are right? not in graduate school. <laughs> doing, <laughs> doing magic. Right? Doing magic. And yeah, what sure, was the third, magic. What was the third show that you said? Uh the Princess Bride? Oh, the Princess Bride, right. And they yeah. go and everyone uh, wants a peanut. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they, they go on a quest and meet meet a bunch of uh uh meet Billy Crystal in a you know in an old age makeup. Uh, close he's to not, that. That, he, that sort of happens. He's not in old age makeup anymore. He's he's just aged. Right? Exactly. They okay. meet aged Christian Slater, actually, which is kind of amazing. They meet aged Christian Slater uh, in one of the episodes. I will so a couple details about the Willow show, because the Willow show is great. Um it it does have Aaron Kellyman in it. Uh, Aaron Kellyman, you may remember as the terrorist leader from Captain Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Um, she was. You got the sense watching that show that she was talented, but like, I think that show kind of really because it was totally thrown off by COVID, ended up not really reflecting anyone in the best light that was in it. Uh, she's in this show and she's really really good. So if you ever had any doubts about Aaron Kellyman. Uh, she's someone to watch. She's great in the Willow show. She plays the sort. She plays the paladin in the group, or the cavalier knight. Um, and the story follows the the twin brother and sister of of Mad Mardigan and Sorsha, as you may recall from the original Willow story. So this is like the rakish swordsman and the daughter of the evil queen get married and fall in love and get married and have kids. And the kids are now teenagers. And you know the father is vanished, and the mother is queen, and they, uh, there's like an evil portent. Uh, oh no, this, the the brother gets kidnapped, and everybody has to go on a mission to go save him. Um, and the and Aaron Kellyman plays the uh, guardian of the princess, uh, who is a sort of tomboy princess who always fights her with swords and stuff, and is like very very clearly gay and into her, which is very obvious from the first episode. And like a lot of the show is about them kind of will they or won't they in a sort of campy-ish kind of way, like sincere, earnest, silly, uh, until in one of the later episodes they like go to make out and tell each other that they love each other. Um, so it's like a sort of romance novel thing about like two teen girls who are uh, who are sort of involved in a Dungeons and Dragons campaign. And one is the ranger with a bow and arrow and she's the princess and the other one is the knight. And then there's a, a guy played by Amar Chada Patel who is older uh, and he is essentially a Gallivant cast member. <laughs> he is like he has like the big facial features and the big rich oiled beard and like the sort of uh, medieval doublet and, and sort of comical giant sword that you would associate with somebody in Gallivant. Uh, and he plays Thraxus Borman, a, a sort of a roguish man of uncertain origin who has been involved in all sorts of shady things and is let out of prison to escort them on their quest. Why? Why was he in prison? Why is he let out? We don't know. It's Willow. We don't know why anything happens. And that's why it's fun. Um, and then Flash from the Latter-day Spider-Man movies is in it. And he plays a, the bard, the uh, the sort of uh, prince from the neighboring kingdom that is heelish and nobody likes and is betrothed. The princess, who's obviously a lesbian, so you know that's not going to work out. And who, over the course of the movie, kind of gets over or the show gets over his like self-confidence problems. But anyway, so it has this cat. Warwick Davis plays Willow, the sorcerer, who is supposedly the greatest sorcerer ever, but is also kind of a fraud because he mostly got away uh, of all this stuff, uh, uh, you know, because he was lucky and, uh, and now he's trying to lead this group to go rescue this prince. And then there is a, uh, a, a kitchen maid named Dove who I'm not going to go into her history or who she turns out to be. Because of course, like what I'm saying is that it's going to be a soap opera ish, big reveal who this kitchen maid is, why she's important and why it's important that she comes along on the quest. She's right? a like, sex robot graduate student. No, <laughs> 
So the reason that it's about the, like the magicians is because all these people have like these supernatural powers, but they are still having like young people love problems and they will, they address them in a, with a contemporary tone. When I say the magicians, I don't mean the books. I mean the TV show, right? Like I mean the PG 13 magicians TV show where they like get bored and have a lame is episode, right? Like there is like, this is happening in a, in a high fantasy universe, but the characters are very contemporary and almost feel like they are contemporary people playing, you know, fantasy characters in a role-playing game, similar to Legend of Vox Machina, if you watch that, but of course, of course, a whole different provenance. Um, it's like Westworld because there are contemporary needle drops in it, which is like, there'll be, there's like, there's James Horner's inspired score because of course James Horner was tragically killed in a plane crash and thus was unable to make any further awesome movie music. But, uh, but his, his score stuff his themes and his elements are pulled into an orchestral score that pops up over the course of this, this, uh, this show. And then, Oh yes, money for nothing by dire straits, just like rips into gear with a guitar solo. When you see a two headed zombie, like walking towards the camera. Right. So like, it's got this weird, uh, and at times it's positioned as sort of a weird haunting thing that happens at the end of the episode where contemporary music kind of breaks the reality of the show that you're watching and reminds you of a sort of other sort of um, feeling that's conjured uh, associated with the more contemporary relationships. Um, the framing device is that this is being read from a book. So there are illustrations of the characters in the book with a sort of ink pen with blots and stuff that are drawn in front of you during the course of the show, either in the opening credits, the closing credits, or sometimes in interludes of various sorts. And you're reminded that this is a fantasy that's being told. And it's a story, right? Um, there is no interlocutor. There is no Fred Savage who is reading the book, but the, the show makes the very ballsy uh, move at the end to show three volumes of the book, implying that they're going to get three seasons, which would be shocking uh, and amazing. But I do not think that's going to happen. Maybe they will. That would be amazing. But yes, it's like um, it's got contemporary stuff. It's got 80s and early 90s inspired high fantasy vibes. It's got a whole bunch of fan service for Willow if you care about that. And if you don't, it probably doesn't matter because none of it makes sense. Um, and and I think that uh, um, and it's got this like really earnest call to adventure that's happening. Like the characters who are in the story are on an adventure and they are being they are allowing themselves to be affected by the fact that they are on an adventure. And you get to I think as performers, you get to watch their emotional relationship with the thing that is happening to them and the stuff that they are doing in a way that feels grounded and identifiable and not totally alien and also not too stuffy and, and comfortable. But but that also makes for me the emotional identification a lot more potent. Like it's like, you know, you're watching something that feels I want to say real because that's the wrong word, but something that feels uh, sensory, sensual, you know, um, something that feels like it's being experienced. Uh, and if you know, what is the point of adventure other than to be a thing that you experience be between the beginning and the end? Right. The begin the adventure is the beginning starts the adventure and then the, the adventure is what happens before the end happens. Uh, and and it thus it's the journey, not the destination. Right. And um, so when they go to like the village of cannibals with the skull piles or when they go into like the, the, the dungeon full of trolls that all turn out to actually be able to talk, which the trolls in the movies were not able to talk, which they used to comic effect because the trolls end up being rather stuffy and like have kind of a transatlantic Fraser Crane esque accent. <laughs> but uh, which in the in the movie, they're like, I'm in a gorilla suit. Rrr, rrr, rrr. So anyway, I could go on and on about the Willow show and I already have been. Um, but 
it is sloppy. And and I would say that to connect it with and there are there are parts of the show where they stop and they do the lore and they're like, OK, OK, this is a fresco of the Queen Bath Morda. We're going to talk for 10 minutes about the Queen Bath Morda and a bunch of retconning we're going to do of stuff that wasn't in the first movie. But we're going to make it backstory because there isn't enough material in the first movie to make a backstory for this TV show. So we're going to add a bunch of stuff. And thankfully, they only do that like every once in a while but the stuff that they do just doesn't make sense and um and so i guess what the way that i would i would frame this in the context of what mark is talking about is that this this is not a show that is trying to be the next game of thrones like this is not a show that's like oh man disney plus is going to have its game of thrones and it's going to be willow right that would have been great but this is not it right uh, as my toddler son would say this is not this which is my one of my favorite new sayings, which is the opposite of is it, it is what it is, is this is not this. Um, and uh, no, and it's not even Wheel of Time and it's not even the um, the Rings of Power, because with Wheel of Time, it's like, OK, this is a big event. Right. And, and we're going to do this big series of books that everybody loves and is very important to people. But we have to make it contemporary. And how are we going to do that? And like we're struggling with that. And so we're going to make a bunch of recasting. So we're going to change the story. And there's going to be this like war between the purists and, and then the people who like the new show. And and you get the sense that they're the streaming surface is like kind of trying to hold it all together, but isn't really fully committed to the show being good. <laughs> you know, so like whoever's making it isn't like so committed to the show being good that they are willing to like go to the mat for the things that they're trying to do. Right. It's like, okay, to an extent, this is an hour long action adventure television show with like, you know, plucky teen adventurers. And they're like wise, older supervisors, right. Like, and wizards that guide them along the way. Like at a certain point, we're just going to let it be finished. And with the rings of power, I think it's similar, but the other way where it's like very rich with lore and symbolism, but the stuff that doesn't make sense, they also don't feel, which is more on the character and plot side, they don't really feel like uh, it seems they don't feel like they need to, to tie all that up nicely into a show that they know is going to be like purchased on DVD or vault their service in front of all the other services and make this really like the show to watch. Um, this show is like even farther down that road. This is a show where it's like the money exists to make this thing. The IP exists to make this thing. There's probably like 10,000 people who have been annoying us for 20 years to make this thing. Right. Like they write us letters every once in a while. Maybe it's only 500 people. I don't know. But there's somebody out there who wants to do it. There is no reason to believe it's going to be unilaterally worse than all the other stuff we make. This is going to be like an above replacement level show if we make it. Warwick Davis is great. Everybody loves him. How much money are we going to spend on it? I don't know. It didn't really look like a ton. It looked like they could have done it with a lot of the stuff they had left over from the other TV shows that they're making. <laughs> they made it out of spare parts. I mean, you could have made this show. I do like that. There's 500 people writing us and Pete Fenzel writing (laughs) us 9,500 times. Like, that's the vibe. Maybe the show cost $100 million and the world is crazy. Or maybe they let Warwick Davis sign out the Mandalorian CGI filming set for like a couple of weeks. (laughs) And he made this with like a bunch of unknown actors uh, who are like the second or third stars of some Marvel property and who are under contract to like potentially appear in something right so like it, it's probably not a coincidence that it's like secondary and tertiary characters from ncu stuff who show up in this thing um but i loved it and i and i was crying and laughing and just uh you know it's 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 really the the ending this the season finale was garbage 
which was kind of disappointing. Uh, garbage is an exaggeration. It was the season finale was disappointing because they doubled down on the lore and they lost track of like the relationships that actually mattered over the course of the season, which of course were not the relationships that made sense in the story, but that's the kind of show that it is. It had like hidden moments, kind of moments of discovery when you realized, oh, this this character and this character like really actually get along. And like this actor and this actor actually really have chemistry. Like, why don't we just do more of those scenes and not the scenes that we described that we were going to do in the lore dump? Because who cares about the lore dump? Right? Like uh like let's watch another like magic trainings montage. This 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 show has like I think at one point like a 15 minute long training montage of every character in the show doing a training montage at the same time. And, and it's great. Um, and it's shameless. Is it, uh, is Uh, it, um, uh, I need a hero holding out for a hero. It might be actually, it actually might be. I don't remember what song it is, but it's, if it's not that it's close. Um, it's, uh, it's something along those lines. Um, except played, played by a string quartet. Oh no, no, they just play the song. Oh, but maybe the- a string quartet. They do have the um there's like a weird cursed wedding that takes place where they play a really interesting kind of like um like sad trip hop influenced uh girl cover of I'm on Fire by Bruce Springsteen, which is one of the strangest uses of music I've I've seen in a television show. Um and it really fits the idea of it being a dark haunted wedding. But um yeah, I mean it's like it's all you, you, you could be orchestra. It could be classic rock. It could be, you know, Lady Gaga. It doesn't matter. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, everybody is charismatic except for the brother who sucks. Um, and, and he's supposed to suck. So that's fine. Um, yeah. And I mean, it's and it's it's Willow, man. It's got it's got the kind of fan service you want to see. Do you want to see the skull guy? Skull guy's in this thing, man. He totally shows up. Like, do you remember what the skull guy's name is? Probably don't. <laughs> if you do, you're like one of the 10,000 tops, right? Like, I don't even remember who he is. And I'm probably the biggest Willow advocate currently podcasting on the internet right now. Right. <laughs> so like, I don't know what his name is. I do. I did get pedantic about one thing, which is that the brother's name is Eric. Uh, and he's named after a character in the first Willow movie named Eric, who is like a big blonde uh, sort of jockey knight that Val Kilmer banters with and who hates Val Kilmer in the first movie. And clearly this guy's named after that Eric because he's also blonde and he's also cocky. But when his sister sees him, she calls him Eric. And I just feel like that reflects a certain lack of attention to detail. <laughs> like it's, it's Eric. It's not Eric. We're not, we're not standing in the, uh, we're not, we're not really holding the K fab people. Come on. Um, although maybe she calls him that. I don't know. Uh, but there, yeah, they have a magical stagecoach that's pulled by a salamander that swims underneath the mud of like a salt flat. Um, they have a uh, there's multiple little people um, in this in their little village. So, like, if you want to see those kinds of actors in action, um, Warwick Davis is bringing it. He always brings it. He's super great. He has really large hands um, and they sh- and he has a little staff and he shoots shoots magic out of it. And it's great. Um, yeah, it, it's this is a, this is a fun show. I like this show. And I could go on and on about it in a peak cast, uh, but here I have gone on about it here. Um, but yeah, nobody knows the names of any of the characters. Just refer to them by their Dungeons and Dragons classes. There's the <laughs> ranger, there's the bard, there's the paladin, there's the rogue, and uh, and there's the sorcerer. Um, and then there's the, I guess the wizard is, I guess Willow is more of a wizard character than a sorcerer. Um, but yeah, so I've watched, have, you, have I convinced any of you guys to check out Willow? Yeah, it does seem, um, it does seem pretty cool. I'll probably do Andor first on Disney Plus. It's, <laughs> they're it's, the same. <laughs> it's funny. I do the same. I, 
They're I, the same show. It's funny thinking Scar about like Star plays the same guy in both of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's not this one. I think I think of there as being like a backlog, a single backlog that rotates between the different services, right? So like so I you know, of of thirty shows, you know, that I that I have to or you know, three hundred or whatever, however long, you know, my my viewing queue is. Uh I'll have one from uh HBO and then one from Hulu and then one from Netflix and then one from you know, so I can't watch two Disney Plus shows at the same time. Yeah, that would be true. that would be madness. You know, that would right. be uh that would just, just break all the break all the lore. I mean, yeah. it's interesting because both of you brought up shows that seem to be well, they're they're actually both shows on Disney Plus, but kind of not the the marquee IP, you know the the uh, that are that are kind of interesting, like interesting experiments or something. I mean, I I don't know. I think the the idea that Disney Plus was just going to to survive on having like a, a new Star Wars show every year, alternating with a new Marvel show every year, it seems like that's not that's not really going to going to work and so maybe this is like them branching out in the ip but i don't know it 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 is it would it would be a shame if the kind of con- contracting um size of the the uh you know of the the market for streaming services be, be, you know because um it turns out uh, 2021, 2020, 2021 wasn't like a forever change, right? Like the idea that that streaming is going to explode and like grow, grow at this rate forever and ever uh, turns out to be unsustainable. And also the strategy of just like buying market share with billions of dollars and not really worrying about profits is is going to be going to be unsustainable. Um, that like uh, it would be a shame if if the the you know slightly tighter uh, budgets, slightly tighter belts, uh, made it so that the kind of the fun ones, the ones that like Pete says, you know, the, the ghostwriter spirit of, of vengeance is the ones that ghostwriter spirits of vengeance, uh, the ones that were made for you that feel like, Oh, someone's talking to me. It would be, be a shame if those, um, if those sort of, sort of disappeared, uh, guys, uh, it's been a good hour, but I think we gotta, I think we gotta wrap it up and, and Jeez, I used all the time just going into a fugue state, summarizing Willow for everybody. It's, uh, you this had, is, is this the overthinking it podcast again? I listened to too much last week, Matt, and now I had to talk. That's what happened. <laughs> you're full. You're like John Milton yes. waking up yes. every morning, you know, exactly. to, to his, I think he, he would say to his daughters something like, I want to be milked, which yes. is just gross absolutely inappropriate <laughs> completely t- just gross um but yes you were you were bursting with content is what uh is what you were and that is uh that is what people pay for and and by the way if you would like to become an overthinking it member uh be one of the heroes who uh supports us with a, a monthly contribution of five bucks or yearly save some money yearly 50 bucks if you if you prepay for the year uh you get among other things uh pete uh, uh the pete cast in the members area of overthinking it, where we let pete talk at length uh, and that's uh, you know that's one of the the many benefits that as opposed to this show where you really crack down on me and stop me when you need me to stop talking. <laughs> I mean, I interrupted when I wanted to make one of my trademark witticisms. Oh, no, that's true. No, but the PCast, I would go on Willow for like hour and a half, man, straight up. So I'll get I'm going to get a PK cast out soon about something because I got some stuff I need to say. So I will do that. <laughs> yeah. I, I had things that I needed to sing. So if you're into that, there's some exclusive musical sound of music stuff uh, in the members area. Ooh, it's really good. 
Nice. Uh, that's overthinkingit.com slash join if you would like to. And we're very grateful to the members who sustain us, uh, and because and keep the lights on around the, uh, the OTI dome for, for, uh, the last few years of this, this 15 year odyssey we've been on. Who, let's hope, let's hope we can keep it for another 15 years. Let's hope the consolidation in streaming. <laughs> does not come to overthinking it and that we aren't uh, gobbled up by by some some conglomerate like uh, like uh, college humor in order to to sort of sputter out and become uh, all dungeons and dragons content though if we were all dungeons and dragons content maybe we would have produced willow so there you go who who knows <laughs> listen we'll be back next week with more overthinking it podcast thanks for listening till then you can visit us on the web at overthinkingit.com where for the past 15 years we have subjected the popular culture to a level of scrutiny it, it probably, probably doesn't, doesn't deserve, deserve.